What's up, what's up, everyone? My name is Natalie Walters, and I'm the host of the podcast. Now, today is another chapter review of The Atomic Habits. Look, this chap- this, this book is really, really good, and I want you guys to take your time and enjoy it with me, okay? We're reading the book. We're taking the time to implement changes, and we're excited about seeing the results. Isn't that right? All right, so let's just get this episode started. It starts off by saying motivation is overrated. Now, I don't know what you think about that. Being motivated is an overrated thing is what he says. He says your environment often makes more. So let's get into this. He said our habits change depending on the room or the environment that we're in. Yeah. (laughs) I understand. I understand. So we want to change our spending. So for for me, I say we want to change our spending habits, but we have apps on our phone that continuously have us looking at it, intriguing us to either purchase Uber Eats, um, go on our social media and spend so much time. So with that, That is something that we see all the time. So that's what we gravitate to. So he's saying that our environment, wherever we spend our time, whatever we spend our time doing or around, that's going to influence a behavior and a habit that we have. So he was suggesting that we be mindful of that because that's where our visual cues, it creates weaknesses, right? When I log into Instagram, I say, you know what, I'm going to go on there and I'm going to do this. I'm going to post. And then after that, I'm going to get off and I have to go send a few emails. But what happens is when I get on Instagram, um, I post, then I'm like, oh, you know what I have to do with a little engagement. Then from engagement, I go on to a message. Then when you scroll past the feed, you see so much happening and it's like, oh my gosh, I've been on this thing for too long. So the thing is, he's saying on your cell phone, you have all of these apps that are intriguing you to do things that you feel that you need to change. So instead of using your cell phone as a place to make phone calls, text, do email, um, and then you have the apps for shopping, change it up, change it up. Use your computer for your emails, use your phone for text and um, phone calls, and if anything, one other thing, right? Because if we keep everything on that one device, that device becomes the end all and be all of everything, right? And you're always on it. So we need to find ways to break up what we're doing. Um, He says it makes us more inclined to not change the habit. So I don't know about you. I've been told that um, at an early age, the company that we keep and the places that we go influence the people that we become. And I remember when my mom used to say that, I used to be so frustrated. Um, But as much as I did go through a lot at a younger age and I don't regret it, it was the school that I went to was a high influence for some of the behaviors that I had. Um, 
I already had quite the strong personality and then having the surrounding, the environment, I mean, it just made it very much easier for me to adapt and continue a certain behavior. Morning, Carla. Good morning. Thanks for joining. Um, so we're talking about chapter six of the Atomic Habits, and this is about when our environment influences our habits. So basically what we need to do is be mindful of where we are, what we consume, what we're paying attention to, and how it influences certain habits that we have. So I was talking about um, just basically the company we keep. Who you're around is key. You know what? And literally, I've just noticed the power of working with some great people. You know, your workplace, your work environment. I don't know about you and how you guys feel, but um, sometimes you can end up around people who will motivate you every day. They'll keep you inspired. They'll make you feel comfortable when you come to work. And then there are people at work that will make you feel so frustrated when you see them, right? But the thing is, if you tend to be around the people that frustrate you more, if they are in your department, then that makes you develop a certain behavior, right? And you act out a certain way. So with that, it's like even at work, sometimes that's why people go into their bubble and they choose not to spend too much time around crowds because they don't want to have that energy at work. They just want to go to their job and do it. And then other people judge them for saying, oh, they're standoffish. But really, they're just trying to keep their peace of mind, you know? Um, so, yeah, I wasn't trying to hear what my parents were telling me about my crowd and everything like that. I was like, Psh. Look, you guys sent me to this school. I'm enjoying what's going on here, so let me live my life. Um, it did find me in some problems at a lot of times, but at the same time, I think it was also because of me not having extracurricular activities to use some of the um, personality traits that I have and develop certain skills. The thing about it is if you want to take someone away from something, you got to replace it with something better or something that will help to change the behavior or the pattern. You can't just say, okay, you need to change your environment and just leave the person there because what happens with that? And even with us, if we want to change something, we have to look at how will we change it in a way that's going to benefit our future. So he said, our behavior is a function of the person in the environment. So um, looking at online, I was talking about the shopping, right? We get on there, we see decor. Instagram is famous for picking up, I don't know how Instagram does it, or even Facebook. You say something, you're talking to someone, and then all of a sudden, a day later, these ads start coming up on your phone of the, of the same thing that you were talking about. Um, it has enticing visuals that makes you look at it crave it. Because remember last week, we well, a few weeks ago, we talked about the cues, cravings, results, and rewards, right? So when we look at these things, it's like, oh my gosh, that looks good. Yeah, I could see that in my room here. I could see that in the living room there. Oh my gosh, that's what it would look good if I wore it to such and such a place, right? It's enticing. So what do we do? We continuously keep looking even more, not just on Instagram. We leave Instagram and we're going on another place to look for something 
And then what does that do? If you have a financial goal and your goal is to save more money, next thing you know, there's a sale sign. What does a sale sign do? As much as it's a sale, it's still not a need and we purchase. It weakens our ability to see we're motivated to save money. We think we're motivated to save money, but really and truly the being enticed visually by the advertisement makes us even more inclined to make a purchase, right? So we have to be very, very careful of, um, you know, just the visual cues. It's all about our eyes, right? What we see is what we tend to gravitate, gravitate to. And when we, we drive, when we're going through our routes, we're going to work or we're going shopping or wherever we're going, there's restaurants. I don't know about you, but for myself, one of my weaknesses was eating out. I used to Tim Hortons, um, Burger King, whatever was fast and furious and good, tantalized my tongue and solved my problem quickly. That's where I went. And I had a problem with that. So when I went through my debt repayment journey last year, I really, really, really took a look at my bank statement for about six months. And I was so disgusted looking at the purchases from these fast food places, because as much as at that moment when you're purchasing, it's like, oh, it's only $3.99. It's going to, okay, have a good one. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You take it easy. Thank you for joining. Yeah. So, you know, have a great day. Okay. Have a blessed day. So it's like, I would be tantalized by these fast food meals. And then guess what? It was taking a toll on my finances. Um, it didn't cause me debt. However, it was not helping me reduce debt, save money, save an emergency fund. It was not going to do anything for my retirement. It paid havoc on my uh, body for weight, right? Because just eating these foods, they have no nutritional value. So what was I doing? They were in my sight. They were convenient. But at the same time, they didn't benefit me. So really and truly, why was I doing it? I, was, I developed a bad habit. And then these places were always in my visibility, on my route. So this gentleman is saying, even when it comes to going places, if you if you can travel somewhere and there's two different routes and one of the routes will take you off course away from the things that will tempt you, drive that way. It might take you an extra five minutes, but honestly, if you're developing new habits, you do not need to be in, um, in the way of where the temptation is. You don't need that, right? So it's trying to take yourself away and deviate from seeing the things that trigger the behavior that you have. Uh, we tend to think that we can really achieve that outcome just because we want to. We have a purpose and we're driven to do so. Um, but it is usually the most obvious and available option. So that's where we want to go or that's where not even we want to go. We're more inclined to go because it is a normal reaction that we have. So for that to change, we have to be um, make a conscious effort um, to change our environment so that way 
as we continue to move out of whatever cycle we are in, it will become a habit where we will not even think about doing the same thing anymore. But that takes time and practice, right? Uh, he discusses our sensory system, and that's what I was talking about with the eyes. So he's saying, well, science is saying that we, so vision is the most powerful of our senses. We have 11 million senses, and 10 million is dedicated to sight. So can you imagine how hard it is to literally change our our mindset when we always have things in front of us that trigger and our first sight and the thing that entices us is our vision. It's not our smell. I mean, smell for me is also another thing. If I have my window down and I'm driving and my trigger is Burger King and I know that, right? Or Harvey's and I'm driving past one. Do you know how much? It's not just motivation that keeps me um, keeps me going. I literally have to change my mindset about that particular place or those places. Now I look at them as bad for my body, bad for my bank account. Um, they're getting too much money. They've wreaked havoc. I've actually turned my mind to be turned off from these places, right? So that way, when I actually see it, I'm not even pen, I'm not even interested in going there because I know it, it does a disservice to me. Even though my taste buds are like, mm-hmm, yeah, you know them fries are good. You know when they make that burger fresh and that onions on it? Oh gosh, yeah, that's how I am. So so literally, I had to put a lot more things to turn me off of what it is that I really liked. So that way. Not when I see it, I'm um, I'm not excited about it anymore, right? So he says, our visual cues are a catalyst for our behavior. And we know that you dress, you know, people love fashion. We love jewelry. The thing is, there's nothing wrong with loving these things. But if it is reaping havoc on our finances, or sometimes we feel that we only, because some people, it's not doing anything to their finances as much, but what it is, it could be their self-esteem because some people can feel that if they don't wear a certain name brand or they're not wearing certain things, then it wreaks havoc on their self-esteem, right? So they'll do anything to make sure that they're in certain clothing to ensure that they're, they're fly. And that's not necessarily good, right? You got to be able to know that you're the individual. The clothes don't make you, you make the clothes. So yes, they may look good, but it's whatever you put on and how you put it on can make you look like a million bucks. I've seen people do ads from thrift stores, not to say that that's where I'm sending anybody. I've seen people wear Walmart clothes and make it look good. You should not be associating certain things with your, with your, having certain things, with your ability to have self-confidence and self-esteem. So if that is a thing, then we have to make changes to the way we see ourselves and what we put in front of us, right? Those visual cues. Um, so he's saying that our work and living environment 
It can encourage us to be productive, but at the same time, it can also be very difficult and we can become a product of our environment if it is not a positive place. Like I was saying earlier, some workplaces, everything is fine. You're good. You're working with a team where you feel encouraged. You're thriving. Um, it's very positive energy. And you feel that, you know what, there's an opportunity opportunity for growth and advancement. Uh, and then there's some places where everybody's negative. Um, just from your regular staff, admin staff, right back to the management, straight up in, you know, CEOs and whoever, the way they interact, the way they speak, the way they write their emails. Um, it's just a negative environment. And if you work in that environment and you just look at it as, well, it's my job, so I have to be there. And then you're setting yourself up for continuously living and feeling negative about your surroundings. And that in turn is not helpful towards living a productive life. It also becomes a very negative habit that you pick up because every time you end up talking to somebody about your work environment, the conversation is either very bitter or negative. And I know it's not easy for us to just get up and change our workplace. But the thing is, if we have an outlook on where we want to go, just like we were talking about in chapter one and two, having an identity. What is the identity? Where, where do we see ourselves? Ourselves, not what do we see? What do people see us doing? But what do we see for ourselves? What vision do you see yourself doing in the long run? And if that's something that you, if you, if you're not happy with your current circumstance, what can you do right now to prepare yourself for your future future lifestyle? So the thing is, if you don't like your current workplace, then what you can do is start thinking about researching how to get involved or transition from where you are to where you want to be. That way, you know that you have a plan that's being devised to get yourself out of that space that you're in and you won't feel as consumed with feeling stuck there because a lot of the times a lot of people feel stuck at their place of employment, right? Um, we have to design our area. So he talks about the fact that yes, it's our environment, right? As I was saying, we take a certain path to get to work. And when we take that, when we're driving that way, that route, or we get off at a certain bus stop, the Starbucks is right there. The Tim Hortons is right there. The shopping store that you go to and you buy certain things is right there, right? But if you know that that is a problem for you and you want to change it, then get off a stop or two before or after. Change your route if you can um, without making it overly complicated, but just get yourself out of the environment so that way you can help to change and develop another habit to help you avoid being triggered to continue the habit that you don't want to have. You want to stop spending, you you know that you trigger, get away from it, right? Um, he's saying that right now, you know, even in our homes. So we're supposed to have, now I don't know about you guys, but you know, your living room, the space in your living room, Typically, people go into the living room to sit down, chat, chill, enjoy, um, and watch TV, right? 
But now working from home, especially during COVID, the living room is, it could be every and anything for people because honestly, some homes don't have so much space that you can be, TV is in the living room and you have to actually do your job in the living room. But then at the same time, you want to develop a habit of reading and you decide that you're going to do that right in the living room as well. But that space, when you go to read, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to read this book. So you pick up your book and you're nice, nice. You pull up your feet and you're, oh yeah, I'm going to read. And then what happens? Somebody says something to you. And then you get distracted from the reading for a minute and easily turn into, oh, I'm going to start watching TV or, oh, I'm just going to lean back and just relax a little bit because I'm tired. And there goes, and there goes your idea of actually following through with reading. So he's saying that we have to design different places within our homes to do different tasks that we want to do. So for me, whenever I do my anything to do with my social media in my home, I try my best to record in this space because this is my product productivity space. So when I come here, it's down to business. This computer is about business, right? Um, I come here and I turn on my music and then I'll go out and I'll do things within my, my room. But I know when I'm in this space, this is where I am being productive for business, right? My work, I work from home. I have a different desk that I use and I put my stuff there. And I know that right there is where I'm doing my actual job work. When I'm done, that desk goes away. It is not being used by me. And that's it. My son... I want him to do his schoolwork. When he has to do his schoolwork, he's designated to a certain area as well. I don't move him from one area to the next to the next because you know what? That is not the consistency is not good. It's not going to make him. I don't. I, I don't think it's beneficial for his um, development and his concentration. So I keep it in one space, right? Um, as for wanting to, you want to implement something different in your life. I said, reading was one. So you want to budget. He was talking about last week, setting a time. So you say, this is what I want to do. This is the day I want to do it on. This is the place that I'm going to do it. So you actually label what it is, where you're going to do it, what time you're going to do it. And that way you have a focus, a focused intention Every time you do it, it's going to happen that way. So there's structure. We have to put structure in our lives to get the outcomes that we want. I'm going to hear the confession. So um, yesterday, I don't know what happened the night before. Oh, it was a busy weekend, you know? It was a really busy weekend. So I was tired. And I said to myself, you know what? I'm just going to sleep in a little bit more. Now, for me... Waking up early is a new habit that I'm forming. I've been doing it for the past four weeks. I've seen so many benefits from doing it, right? So many benefits from waking up in the morning. I have time for myself. I have time to just relax. The household wakes up and you know what? The day just flows. 
I'm productive. I get a lot of work done. I get to do my exercises. Everything feels nice. But yesterday, I said, I'm going to sleep in. Let me tell you. I slept in until about 7. And when I did that, it threw everything off. Because by 7.30, that meant I only had half an hour for myself. And when I only had half an hour for myself, guess what? Everybody else starts to wake up and all the other priorities start to come into play. And that self-care portion um, that I usually have got pushed back. And when it got pushed, pushed back because my son is doing homeschooling, he had to come to me and ask me something. So as I was doing my self-care routine, because he's in school and I'm the educational assistant at home, I had to interrupt what I was doing to go and help him. So I realized, uh-uh, this is no good. When the clock strikes early in the morning, like you said, set your time every day to wake up early. And when your mind tells you to sleep in, do like the book says, and you've been doing it, speak over the voice that says. So there's a voice that will say, you wake up and you're like, oh, I don't want to. No, you know what? Let me just get another half an hour. I have to say, oh, no, 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 no. That extra half an hour is going to interfere with your whole day. Get up. You have to talk yourself out of um, procrastinating on whatever it is you set out to do or avoiding it for that time being. You have a certain time. You have a system that you've put in place. The system's been working. When that voice tells you, no, 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 do something different, that's when you say, oh, hell no. I'm definitely doing it, right? So I love that speaking to yourself in the moment of running back into a bad habit, right? Um, so this is just, just, he just expanded on definitely how our habits, you know, being in a new environment can help you with forming new habits, right? Instead of staying in the same place, he, he speaks a lot about that. Um, that was chapter six. So find another environment, change where you go, how you spend your time. Um, even, oh, so I was going to mention some people when, you know, the cities open back open and everything, a previous routine that we used to have was on the weekends, you don't necessarily have somewhere to go. So I would go to the mall to buy something. I'm not a mall person. But when I go, I'm like, there's so many people in the mall. I'm there to buy something because I don't need to be in the mall on a regular basis just walking around. I don't like window shopping. That does not entertain me because that makes me even more frustrated. I don't want to purchase something. So now I'm looking at things that entice me. No, I don't want to be in there and do that. But some people enjoy window shopping. So for some, they do it on a regular basis and then they return and that's when they purchase or they go online and then they purchase. What I suggest is if you're a person who, who's very visual and tempted, you know, you go to the mall, you walk around and you're like, okay, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get that, I'm going to get this, I'm shopping or I'm window shopping or the next time I come back, I'm going to purchase these things, and you know they're not things that you need, then I suggest 
replacing that habit with something different. Find a local park. If you just want to get out of your house to spend time on the weekend and free up, take go to a park. Uh, find an activity that's outdoors that you can do. Register to an, a team, a sports team, if, you, if you're inclined to do that. Take up art, a painting team, a painting team, a art class. Um, do something that would take you out of the area that triggers the behavior that you're trying to avoid, right? So then he talks about in chapter seven, self-control. So there was a study with some soldiers and the soldiers, um, they were heroin users. Obviously in war, there's a lot of stress and um, things that will trigger you, right? So this man did a study on the soldiers and the ones that were heroin users that returned home 5% 5% of them became re-addicted within a year and 12% of them rela- uh, relapsed within three years, right? Um, his study continued to reveal that the addiction could spontaneously dissolve if there was a radical change in their environment. So because these soldiers were no longer around their fellow um yeah, crew, you know, I'm sorry, wrong word, but they weren't together experiencing the trauma, um, discussing, sharing their bad habits with each other. And it was not even only bad, it was a coping mechanism. They used the heroin to cope with what they were going through, but because they weren't going through that and they weren't around each other, they actually were able to overcome. So there was a high amount of people. Uh, it was about 90% of them when they actually left the military, they were able to stop the heroin, right? So that's why it's very important to look at where we spend time, who we spend that time around, how much time we are involved with certain things, because if it's a disservice to you and you continue doing it, then you are unable to shake the habit that you want to change. Um, he said that cultures focus on discipline as a way to z- dissolve problems. Now, scientists, people with self-control um, aren't that different than people who struggle. So he's saying people with self-control aren't that different than people who struggle. However, disciplined people require less self-control and willpower. They have structure and systems that help them avoid being in places and situations that are tempting. So we need to create a disciplined environment. Um, And then he talks about shaming people, right? So there was uh, an example of smokers right? There's these ads that are out sometimes or people that would say the worst things about smoking. It gives a smoker, you're supposed to be turning the person off, but really and truly, you're not doing that. You're not turning them off about their habit. What you're doing is 
you're making them feel even more stressed out about what they're doing, right? And it ends up, hey, good morning. I'm almost done. It was two short chapters today. Two short chapters. We were talking, this, these two, let me do a little quick summary. So our environment, we have to make changes to our environment to help us with changing our habits because it triggers. So cause, because you're a little late, it's okay. <laughs> um, I'm gonna post the replay and then you can watch it, but it's really about changing our environment to help us um, improve our, our likelihood of developing another habit to replace whatever foolishness we're up to, okay? Now he's talking about triggers. Triggers can actually, um, yeah, no problem, no problem. So, yeah, smokers, you know, people will make you feel guilty for what you do. But he says you're not supposed to do that. When they say, oh, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, and it's it, they're just on you, the don'ts, 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 it makes you feel guilty to the point where it's like, well, I don't know how not to do it. So we have to find ways of encouraging people and also making sense of letting them know what they can do to replace the behaviors they have, not make people feel guilty for doing what they're doing. So for myself, when I talk about debt management, it's not for me to make you feel guilty because to be honest, my situation was no good and I don't want nobody judging me, right? But the thing is, if you can help me by providing me um, information, tools, encouragement, you know what I mean? Check up on me, see how I'm doing it, doing, that is helpful. But when you just dog a person down, the first thing you might do, one, is they're going to shut you out of their mind in the first place. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? So, you know, you're going to you're going to turn them off and then at that same time because you're not giving them another opportunity to learn another way to deal with whatever it is they're going through, you might trigger them to continue doing exactly what it is that they're not supposed to be doing that is not beneficial to the lifestyle that they want to live. So it's important that we stop shaming people. And I'm not saying that we do, but it's important that people stop shaming people for the choices that they make and find a way to encourage them and show them a different experience that will help to grow whatever it is they desire out of life. So he said, we literally do things that we acknowledge in our minds as a problem. And that's true because, hey, I know. We literally do things. So I knew when I was going to the payday loan pace that honestly and truly I shouldn't be there. But because I wanted something, not because I needed. Some of the times there was a need, but there were times where I just wanted something and I was like, oh, they have it. And I'll just, I'll just deal with them later. Well, no, 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 no. I knew that that's not where I, I was supposed to be. But instead of me putting in um, a statement to my blanket statement to myself to say, look, that's a want. You don't need it. So because it's something that you want, you're going to wait until you save up enough money to buy it. 
you're not going to go to the payday loan and get it and get that money so that we can get that item, right? We know what we're up to, but we choose to still make certain actions and we have to change that. We have to be very conscious of what it is that we're doing. So I don't know about you, but I was a very impulsive person when it comes to purchasing things. If I want something, I just do it, right? I'm not a person that would take too much time to make a decision because I feel like, yo, why not, right? But now it's like, okay, break it down. You want that. Why do you want that? What is that going to do for you later on? Like how much of a benefit is it? I honestly, I was very impulsive. It's disgusting. Um, but I literally have to stop. I had to stop myself. And now I take time before I actually do or make a decision because I realize that that impulsive behavior is just a disservice to my overall lifestyle, whether it was shopping, whether it was work. Good, good. It's okay. It, it's, a, it's a work in progress. You know what I mean? But the thing is, it, when we take the time to do it, then it's like we start rationalizing. Well, honestly and truly, why am I doing that? Even going out, like I want to see what happens for some people when we're able to go back out again. You know what I mean? Because right now is a good time for us. We're able to be home. We don't go out to save money. I know that right now people don't have much, right? But the thing is, we're a, a very creative set of people, right? Where it's like, all of a sudden, we're allowed back out. We had no money when we were in COVID, but we'll find money to get to where we got to go when when we're free, you know? But the thing is, I don't want to revert. So now I'm actually thinking about activities that I can do outside of my home instead of putting myself in places that will trigger old behaviors. So I as I was saying, um, that if you are a person that like to go shopping, like some people just like to go window shopping on the weekends just to get out of their house. Well, instead of thinking of going to the mall to window shop to get out of the house, go to a park, sign up to um, a community center and be part of a sports team. So that way you're still out of your home but you're using your time wisely. You're not triggering um, any behavior. Swipe, swipe, tap, eat out here, eat out there. You know what I mean? So those are the things that we're going to have to do to really, really pay attention and make sure that we're making the changes that we need for the long term. Because I know that we're going to have some people call us and say, hey, quarantine's done. Come here, come there. Oh, it's free before this and it's free before that. And then guess what? It may be free before, but there's still parking. There's still, um, I don't know. Are you recycling clothes? Are we recycling clothes? Because I know, you know, you can't do that. That's the standard. It's the gram. It's the photos. People don't recycle clothes. So there goes that habit that could return for a lot of people for shopping and, and they will lose they will lose out on all that they've tried to accomplish over the last few months, especially during the quarantine. We got to get a strong mind and head on 
the vision that we see for ourselves, just like the gentleman talked about in chapter, uh, I think it was one or two, one and two, or two and three, or three and four, whichever ones it was talking about identity. That was the first part of the book, right? So let's set ourselves up to visualize the life that we want to live. So that way, when we're asked to do certain things, we can say, you know what, I'll do it this time, or I'm not doing it this time, or, you know what I mean? Vice versa. But we don't have to feel like every time we're asked to do something, we are the same person that is going to do it. And then what we have to do is keep our vision in front of us. For myself, when I started my debt repayment journey, what I did was I had a book that was very structured where I wrote everything down and then I made a mug. I made a mug and it said credit up, debt down. I made a t-shirt, credit up, debt down, right? And those were the things that just kept, they were in my face. They were in my face. They were influencing the movements that I was making. They made me feel good about the movements that I was making, right? I would go on Instagram. I deleted a lot of profiles that I found that were entertaining. Yes, I like to laugh and whatnot, but I found that I was spending way too much time consuming that content to the point where I wasn't learning anything and I knew that I need to learn more about finances. So I started to follow people who were in the industry that can teach me things that I need to know for myself and my, like in my current, current life and for my long-term future. Not only that, obviously being, um, Working in the financial industry, I ended up being consumed with information about finances. But the thing is, it's how the information is presented. So I made sure that I followed people that I found entertaining, that I found um, intriguing, that found different ways to teach the information that um, resonated with my learning style. Because remember, there's a lot of people sharing information, but there's a lot of different styles of learning. So are you gathering the information in a way that supports your learning style, which makes you feel even more inclined to continue on the journey with that person, right? Um, yes. So then it was just going back to changing your environment. So Hey, that's chapter 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 six and seven today. We need to change our, our environment, change the activities that we have so that way we can form new habits. It's not about just being motivated, right, to do something because just being motivated will not support it. You know what I mean? We've got to have discipline. We have to have structure. And when we have discipline and structure, it will definitely help. Because that way, there's certain principles and guidelines that we follow and we repeat. And the more we follow and repeat, then we're going to see outcomes and results that we like. Just like I said last yesterday, I woke up later. I woke up later. I did not start my exercise or anything the way I normally would. And it ruined the first, the first half of my day. But because I didn't want the second half of my day to feel the same way my first half did. I said, you know what? Once noon comes, I'm going to reset and refocus 
the second part of my day. And that was very productive. Um, you know, the one thing we have is life. And when we have life, we have opportunity. So even though we mess up one day, it does not mean that it's the end. Don't give up. Just go back to exactly what the gentleman talked about um, two weeks ago, right? Speak to yourself. When you realize that you're you're saying something negative to yourself in your head um, to make you revert to a certain behavior, you tell yourself with the, the better voice, no, 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 no. That's not what you're supposed to do. You know that your goal, your your end result is supposed to look like this. So are you doing right now what you need to do to get yourself there? Or are you sticking to a place that is going to keep you where you're at? You know, it's that talking to ourselves portion. Some people have support where they have friends and accountability partners who are there to support and encourage them. And then other people, you don't. There's times where I myself, I had, I did a water challenge a month ago and, you know, we tag each other. There was support. It made it even more exciting, right? To have a team of people do this thing. But then guess what? It was for 30 days. So what happened after the 30 days? Did I stop? No. Did I drink the same amount of water? No. Am I still drinking water? A lot of water? Oh, hell yeah. Why? Because what I did was I realized that when I drank the water, it made a difference in my skin. My skin was looking very dry at one point, like about a month ago. My eyes were, I have a little bag here and here. No problem. I just woke up a little while ago. But the thing is, this this will clear up in a little bit. But I drank the water and through the water challenge, I started to see my skin clear up. The blemishes were gone. My energy, my body, my bowel movement, so many different things were a positive result of drinking water that I actually enjoyed it. So, oh, let's not even talk about that. My hair, my hair grew. It just, all of a sudden, it's just like it sprouted. And I was like, I knew the water would do that. Because they always say water is good, right? Whenever you drink water, it's good for you. So even though I don't have the accountability partners right now, I've actually gained a new outlook on drinking water to the point where when I go to drink juice, it's too sweet. Inside of my stomach doesn't feel good when I drink it, right? So we have to change our mindset about the habits that we have, that we are knowing that doesn't do a disservice for us that does a disservice to us. And what we can do is the things that we find beneficial, big them up, highlight them, make them feel even more, like make them look beautiful and inspiring. Make them look like things that you want to continue doing. Make it look attractive. That's what he says. Make the things that you want to do look attractive. And the things that you don't, make it look so, like belittling. Like to turn off. I was doing that. Oh, yeah, I don't like that. Just like my, I was talking about my food habit. You'll see that early. Um, when you do the replay, you will get the all of that information. But right now, I'd like to thank you for joining me for chapter six and seven of the Atomic Habits. Um, what we're doing is just breaking the chapters down into two. 
because this book has 20 chapters, but at the same time, it has a lot of information, but it has a lot of things that we have to implement. It is not easy. It is not easy to change habits. So therefore, we have to spend time in each chapter. And that's why I broke the book down like that. It's not like I'm reading the first half and then we do a review and the second half and then we do a review. No, we're going to break it down in chapters of two. And if that means this particular book review goes all the way out until April, then that's what we will do. Because out of reading this book, we will become, we are working to become better people in our current life and for a lifetime. This is not about, as they said earlier, it's not about setting goals. It's about developing a better lifestyle, right? So thank you guys for joining me. Um, see you guys next Wednesday. The past few weeks has been a little off, but I'm back on my game. My work schedule is back and it's consistent. So I will be here on Wednesday mornings at 5.30 a.m. doing the Atomic Habits book review. So with everything you do, thank you for being here. Have faith, stay focused, and always follow through. Blessings. Have a good day. All right, so that's a wrap. Thank you all for joining me today. This was a great episode. I like this chapter. We learned a lot. Now let's take the time to implement some of the strategies and make sure we're aware of what we're doing and how we will implement the changes that will serve us for a lifetime. I'd like to thank you guys for joining me today and check out next week's episode for the continuation as we make sure we make the changes that we want to see for our future. And with everything you do, have faith, stay focused, and always follow through. Blessings.